0: think I better do what the song says. Let's pray together. Father, I'm thankful that as the old saints would say, although you sit high, you look low. I thank you that your ears are open and attentive to our cries and not just our prayers. We thank you, Lord, that you know everything about us. You know everything that we're going through. And when we learn a little bit about you, we realize, Lord, that you make no mistakes. There are things that you allow that we don't always like. But we're reminded that your ways are higher than our ways. And your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And even in the midst of the trials and the tests and the tribulations we go through, you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us. You're using these things that hurt us, not to destroy us, but to develop us, to make us more like Jesus who also suffered and who suffered unjustly. And we know we're not gonna get through this world without going through some things but that's why you gave us this secret weapon called prayer. Prayer to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the authority that is in Christ. We thank you that we can come boldly before your throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need, because Jesus died and the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, giving us free entry and access, Lord, to your very throne room. We thank you that there's not only power in the name of Jesus, there's power in prayer that's rendered in the name of jesus may it never be said of us we do not have because we have not asked so just take a moment in the stillness of your heart to talk to god about that thing that issue that problem that's been on your mind just take a moment we sang that he's able Yes, Father, we cast these cares on you because we know that you care for us. We thank you again that you're a good, good Father who gives us fish and bread and not stones or serpents when we ask. Thank you for the greatest gift of all, Jesus, your darling son. Thank you that he gave his life to set us free. We bless you. Now, Lord, help me to preach your word. Help us to hear your word. And then help all of us to apply your word. I pray that yokes will be broken today because the word goes out. I pray that the truth will set us free because the word goes out today. Transform us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I get started, there are several birthdays in the house. So before I get started, uh, let's see here. Brother Aubrey Smith's birthday is today. Amen, my brother. Is Tanisha Stenson here today? Where's Tanisha? All right. Uh, Is Debbie Hall here today, Debbie Hall? She's She's in the back. Okay, it's her birthday too. And then yesterday was Michelle Kennard. Is Michelle here? Okay, but give it up for Michelle too. Amen. Amen. We love you. Too bad the worship team left or we would sing happy birthday. No, no, we ain't going to do that. Bernard Pollard, Bernard Pollard, Bernard Pollard. You all right, brother? We have a full week this week. Oh, pull it back a little bit. Thank you, Peter. Also, where's Jackson? There's Jackson. Look at Jackson. This brother got engaged this weekend. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Stand up my sister. Stand up my sister. Stand up. Come on, stand up. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. He said, "Pastor, I got something to tell you." I asked my girlfriend to marry me, and she said, "Yes." I said, Amen. Well, we have a lot uh, going on this week with uh, Juneteenth activities. Uh, we have a sneaker gala or gala, however you pronounce that, on Friday at the factory. Uh, last year, it was phenomenal. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be great this year. My wife and I are the MCs this year. So we're going to be dressed to the nine. Ain't that right, baby? Looking good with our sneakers on. And um, I have one extra seat available. It is sold out. But if there's one person who would like to go, uh, come talk to me after church. First one that comes up to me, I have one seat available for that. Uh, So come let me know. And then on Saturday, there is a street festival from 10 to 5 on the uh, square of Franklin. And this is very historic because this is the third year we've been able to do this. And um, three years ago, it was the first time in the history of the city, that African Americans were able to shut down the square for an event honoring African Americans and African American history. So yeah, I'm here to let y'all know, man, thousands of people came through, um, all types of vendors, uh, a great day of unity and celebration, great music. Uh, Sister Ebony, are you doing anything this year? Are you emceeing on the main stage again? So y'all, it, come on out. Even if you only come out for an hour or two, I mean, there's a kid zone. It's all kinds of stuff that's going on out there. And it's put on by the Franklin Justice and Equity Coalition, of which I am an advisor to that uh, board. And they said that they need volunteers for that Saturday. So um, you can go to fjecwilco.org, fjecwilco.org, and come on out, my wife will have a table. My daughter will have a table selling art and books and all that good stuff. Babe, will you autograph books? Um, Are you charging for autographs? Not charging. Okay, so bring your books and she'll sign All right, and uh, just to let y'all know, uh, y'all been wondering, since I've been bringing in all these guest speakers, am I actually going to work uh, this summer at the church? (laughs) Yeah, I'm working. I'm preaching the rest of this month but I am taking July off because I took it off last year, hung out with my bride and I got refreshed and renewed. So we said we were gonna do it again this year. We're doing that. But I have some wonderful people coming in, some from this church. So don't play hooky, all right? Don't do that. Um, you know, Don't be talking about, is, the pre- is Pastor Chris preaching? I ain't come, don't do that. <laughs> this church is not built on Chris, it's built on Christ, amen. So, uh, and and I'm not going to bring you anyone that that can't, as James Mitchell would say, shuck the corn. That's Mississippi. I don't know what that is. That's just Mississippi. (laughs) And he's going to be one of our speakers. Um, Elder Sherman is going to interview James. James is the chaplain for the Tennessee Titans. So one Sunday, um, they're going to have a wonderful dialogue because James, God is using James in that organization Um, it it is powerful. So you're going to hear that. I got Mona preaching uh, that month. I have a friend coming in from Texas who's preaching. Got a couple of local brothers who are preaching. So good stuff is going on, y'all, the month of July. And uh, my wife and I, we we, we said uh, we want to be in the airport on the 16th. And I'm sorry that I'm going to miss your son when he comes in town from New York. But uh, it's just something about being in the airport when I should be in a pulpit. It's just like, whoo, I feel so good. And uh, and don't hate, don't hate. Pray for us. Celebrate. We're gonna go to Turks and Caicos for a few days. And uh, <laughs> somebody, your jaw's tight now. You just can't celebrate. You just can't. But yeah, yeah, we're gonna have a good time. And uh, and so now, last week, Dr. Emerson preached a wonderful word. I'll probably talk about that word on the last Sunday of this month a little bit. Um, but he finished with 20 minutes left. He, he finished at 11:40 last week. Well, I'm back, and uh, we're gonna push it today. Try to get you at 12. Uh, can't make any promises, but we're gonna get a word from the Lord. Turning your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. And I want to begin by asking you a question, some Bible trivia, some Bible trivia. How many times did Jesus feed the multitudes? How many times did Jesus feed the multitudes? If you say he fed the multitudes one time, you are not correct. From what we know, from what is recorded, Jesus fed the multitudes two times, two times. Matter of fact, the feeding of the multitudes, um, he fed 5,000, and that's found in each one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But then he also fed the 4,000, and that's found in Matthew and in Mark. And so today we're going to look at the feeding of the 4,000 which came after he fed the 5,000, because I want to preach a message today entitled, How Soon We Forget. I really want to help somebody and myself today, How Soon We Forget, because I know you say, if I live during a time When Jesus took sardines and crackers and multiplied it into a Moby Dick sandwich to feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, upwards of approximately 20,000 people. If I saw that, I would never, ever doubt the Lord again. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, hang on. Hang on with me, please. Let's begin reading in Mark chapter 8, verse 1. It says, in those days... The multitude being very great and having nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way for some of them have come from afar. Let's pause for a minute. Jesus calls a huddle of his leadership team. And he says these folks have been following us, following me, listening to me teach, really proving that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. They've been listening to me teach. I have compassion on them because I I know they got a long way to go back home and I'm concerned about their welfare And he's basically huddling them up, saying, What should we do? It's a great teaching moment that Jesus is having with his team. You see, he has compassion on them. And to have compassion means to have sympathy, to have pity, and concern for the sufferings of others. So he knows these folks are suffering because they're hungry. But compassion doesn't end with having sympathy, pity, and concern for the sufferings of others. Compassion also takes action to help those people who are suffering. So you just don't feel sorry for them or feel bad for them. No, you're going to take action to help relieve what is making them suffer or feel bad. And so in this case, their stomachs are growling. Their souls are being fed. But now their bodies need to be ministered to, and Jesus has compassion on them. But I have to give you um, a sneak peek to let you know here that as the master has compassion on these thousands of people, the disciples have contempt for these folks. The disciples, the church, they don't have compassion. They have consternation for these folks. Well, keep on rolling with me here because Jesus is going to say, now, now, what should we do? Verse 4, then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? You see what they said to the Lord? He calls a huddle. I have compassion on these folks. It's a teachable moment. I'm trying to grow you guys to have care for people. They're upset. And they say, well, how can one satisfy these people with no bread here in the wilderness? How soon? They forgot. Because in chapter 6, he fed 5,000 people, upwards of 20,000. We come here in chapter 8, and they forgot what Jesus did in chapter 6, and they're saying, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And before you look down on them... We do the same thing. The Lord can open up a door, provide a miracle, show up and show out on yesterday. But then when we face a new trial today, how soon we forget that he is able. How soon we forget what the Lord has done. And now we're being faced with a new test. And we're going through a new test. Like it's our first test. When we came through a test last week, last month, last year, and we saw how God was faithful, he answered our prayer, then we come to a new test like we're novices. Like we haven't tested the Lord and tried him and seen that he's faithful. The old folks used to say, you can't make me doubt him because I know too much about him. But we get to these tests and we forget. We get spiritual amnesia. And we act like we haven't been through anything with God before. We act like we haven't seen God answer and provide for us. And I'm here to let you know this is no different than the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness, man. Again, we say, if I had been there, trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh, and I saw God open up that sea and cause the land to be dry and we could walk through, then he closed it on the enemy. Oh, I'd never doubt the Lord again. Well, guess what? When they came to the Red Sea, they had a praise party, just like we had at the lake yesterday. They had a praise party. Moses and Miriam, all this stuff. Man, they're praising God because the Lord drowned the Egyptians in the sea. God provided for them. He answered their prayers after 400 years of suffering. They finally get out, and boy, do they get out. But three days later, when they couldn't find water to drink, They began to murmur and complain and say to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? Matter of fact, we're going to go back to Egypt. How are you going to go back to Egypt? You're going to go through the Red Sea that the Lord parted for you? You're not thinking you're going to go back and submit yourself to slavery again? But they came to that little test with water. Do you think God brought you that far just to bring you that far? Do you think God brought you that far to have you die of thirst? Do you think God brought you that far and he lacks power now to give you something to drink? The Bible says he was testing them. He tests us to see are we going to look to him or look to ourselves or look to our own resources, look to other people. But he's going to put us in places where only he can come through. And if he did it before, he can do it again. Sing God right now. I Tribbett saying that. But the Hebrews writer said that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how come when I'm going through something today, I forgot what he did for me yesterday? I can trust him for forever. I can trust him for eternal life, but I can't trust him for the next five minutes. And it disturbs God when his people murmur and complain. When we get to the next test, the next trial, and we start murmuring and complaining, it's an indictment against the faithfulness of God when we do that. And God would wipe folks out because of their murmuring and their complaining. And here these guys have the audacity to say, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? Not only did they forget what Jesus just did two chapters over, but they also forgot what God did for the Jews for 40 years in the wilderness by raining bread down from heaven. What's up with these dudes? Uh. Uh-uh. What's up with me? That I doubt God, that I forget God's faithfulness. Oh, yeah, they, forg- they forgot who Jesus was. When they said, how can one satisfy? Oh, you forgot who he was. You forgot what he can do. Not only that, you forgot what Jesus did. He just fed 20,000 people. And not only did you forget who Jesus was and who Je- what Jesus did, you forgot what Jesus said. He said, I have compassion on them, which means I want to follow up this pity with some action. I want to feed these folks. And when we're going through these tests and we treat our latest test like it's our first test, we forget who God is. We forget what God did and we forget what God said. But I'm here to wake us up today. You know, the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, bless the Lord, all that it was in me, bless his holy name, and forget not his benefits. God knows we are some forgetful people. He knows. He he knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. Same psalm, Psalm 103. We forget. So when Israel was going into the promised land, and God says, "Uh, now when you get into that land, and you get wells that you did not dig, that you will inhabit that you did not build. You'll sit under trees that you did not plant. God says, I know y'all don't forget me because y'all have a tendency that when you get blessed, you forget God. So that's why God has to allow some tests to remind us of who the ultimate blessor is. It's him, not us. So we don't need to forget him, but God knows how we work. He knows how we act. But what those disciples should have said when Jesus said, basically, what are we going to do in the huddle? What are we going to do? They should have said, Lord, if you did it before, we know you can do it again. They should have said, Lord, take what little we have and multiply. We got seven loaves, Jesus. We saw what you did with five loaves and two fish. Lord, take what little we have and do with it like you did before. Lord, take what little bit of faith I have and do with it, multiplied, Lord, it's a mustard seed. Lord, here's what I have, Jesus, as opposed to saying, I don't know how we're going to feed these folk. I don't know how you're going to come through. I don't know how you're going to make a way out of no way. But instead, we're going to say, Lord, I trust you. Because unbelief talks, and so does faith. But a lot of times, unbelief spends more time coming out of our mouths than faith in who God is and what God has done and what God can do. And so, so, so we have to say, now, 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 why were they like this? Why were they basically saying, we don't know how, or we, we really don't know how, and we really don't care? Where did this come from? Well, chapter 6, verse 52 gives me a hint. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. It says, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. So they're in the midst of a miracle. Their hearts were hard. Why were their hearts hard at the feeding of the 5,000? And now they don't care as pertains to the feeding of the 4,000. A hard heart can mess you up. How did their hearts get hard? Well, in chapter 6, they had just come back from doing ministry. The Lord empowered them, sent them out to cast out devils, to preach the gospel, all that stuff. And they came back celebrating what the Lord did as they went out. And as they came back, there were so many people gathering around them, coming and going. Jesus says, let's get away from here so that y'all can rest. So, So they're tired. So they get in the boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But the people say, oh, wait a minute now, Jesus is there. So they run around the rim of the lake and get to the destination before the boat gets there. So when the disciples and Jesus get to the shore... And before they can get off the boat, thousands of people are there already, the people that they're trying to get away from so they can get some rest. And the Bible also says that they were hungry at that time. So dig it. They need to rest. They're hungry. And you know your jaws get tight when you don't have something to eat. When you hungry now, come on, don't play with me now. Me and my wife, we've had some intense fellowship when I say, baby, what's for dinner? And it's getting late. And she said, no, you, you tell me what's for dinner. We in one, we in one, we in one. Because we don't get that meal, man. So they're tired. They've been no ministry. They're tired. And then Jesus is going to ask them, uh, how are we going to feed all these people? How many loaves do you have? So they, they have to go and give Jesus what they have. Jesus not only multiplies the fish and the loaves, but watch this. He gives it to them to hand it out. So now they got to serve. They're already tired. They're hungry. They're irritated. Now they got to serve. And then after everybody eats, Jesus says, now pick up the 12 baskets. So each one of them had a basket. Jaws tight. Hearts hard. Mad. Angry. Look, when you read the Bible, don't over-spiritualize stuff. Put yourself in there and say what you would do. I know that's how I would be. So when your heart is hard, it will keep you from having compassion on hurting people. Can I say that again? When your heart is hard, it will keep you from having compassion on people. Matter of fact, you will judge them to justify not helping them. If they only had a job, if they only took care of their money, if they only did this and didn't get a prison record, you'll start acting self-righteous. But I love how when Jesus fed people, he never interviewed them before he gave them a fish sandwich. That's good news right there. That's grace. I'm just going to give to you freely. He fed. But I got to say something about this collective heart. All of them had a hard heart, all 12 of them. And it's a shame when a group of Christians have a hard heart together. It's one thing if one of them got a bad attitude, but one attitude, bad attitude, led to another bad attitude that led to a, you see, bad attitudes can spread just as much as a good attitude can spread. And a collective hard heart, oh my goodness, they're not disciples, they, they're gangster gospel disciples. now. They, they're a gang now. While we were out at uh, the lake yesterday, Thomas talked about GDK, which is what we call God's diverse kingdom. But I, I remember a couple years back, I would have gangsters who would get online and challenge me because GDK stands for gospel di- uh, Gangster Disciple Killers. So mainly a gang in Chicago, Gangster Disciple Killers. And so they're telling me, yo, man, you can't have that name, cuz. <laughs> I was like, blank, blank, please. Uh, because I don't know gangsters that's online. I, I just don't know gangsters. <laughs> we GDK, God's diverse kingdom. A hard heart will cause you to miss what God is doing. Because you're mad. Yeah. You're upset. Nothing pleases you. And a hard heart will keep you from hearing and understanding the word of God. Because the word of God is like a seed Luke chapter 8, verse 11. So when your heart is hard and the seed of the word comes, it's going to bounce off that hard soil. And so when the heart is hard for an individual or a group, you're in trouble. And these guys, they're still dealing with a hard heart. And Jesus is going to call them on that in a minute. So verse 5, Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? I'm not going to let your bad attitude spoil it for these people. We're still going to minister to them. And so they say to Jesus, seven, we got seven. Now, I got to let y'all know something. They're lying. They actually have eight loaves. So when he said, go find out what y'all have, they had eight because chapter 8, verse 14 says they had eight. They had, they had one on the, on the boat. So they left one and brought seven and said, this all we got had one back there in the boat. We're going to come to that in a minute. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. So here they are serving tables again and they set them before the multitude. They, I believe the disciples, also had a few small fish. So Jesus jacked them for their fish and having blessed them, he he said to set them also before them. So now they're passing out fish. Verse 8, so they ate and were filled, and they, disciples, took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now, those who had eaten were about 4,000. So they're still, oh, boy, man, you talk about being hot. They're hotter than fish grease. They're serving again. They don't feel like it. And the Bible says, and he sent them away. Verse 10, immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. So Jesus did it again. They came to a need. Jesus met the need just like he did in chapter 6. Jesus provided just like he did before. My God, he's faithful. Now we come to verse 11 because you always got to have haters when God is doing great stuff. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven testing him. Basically said, if you show us a sign, we'll believe. Verse 12, but he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. Now, he just did a sign. He multiplied the fishes and loaves again. But Jesus knows there's no sign that will satisfy these Pharisees. Matter of fact, let me put it this way. Jesus knew that seeing a sign wasn't going to change the Pharisees mind. They had a collective mind of unbelief. And he knew I could do whatever, man, y'all are not going to believe. Why? Because y'all already made up your mind about Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus said in another passage, no sign is going to be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. What's that? The resurrection after the third day. When Jonah came out of the fish, Jesus will come out of the earth. That's the only sign that will be given. And guess what? Even after the sign of Jesus resurrecting himself, the Pharisees said, let's pay off the guards and let's start a lie that his disciples stole the body. So no sign is good enough for you because your hearts are hard. And one way, this is for free. I'm dropping this on you for free. One way to deal with your haters and detractors is to not Give them what they want. Come in social media. Man, I have people saying stuff, trying to bait me into stuff. Man, I'm not answering your question. I don't have time for that. And I also know by not answering your question, give us a sign. I'm not giving you a sign. Uh, Comment, respond. I'm not responding. I know that's going to make you upset. And I'm not bowing down. I'm not giving you my time because you're not that important to me. Oh, got quiet in here. So one way to answer, folks, is not to answer them. Mm-hmm. A lot of y'all fighting right now. I'd be looking at am like, man, they fighting. Why they fighting? Man, let it go. Verse 13. Because they're not going to change from a debate. You can't win nobody on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Folks just loading up, shooting, you know, typing. They just leave that stuff alone. I had to learn that. The first early years, man, I was trying to get everybody. I was spraying. <laughs> Wasn't nothing happening. Wasting my time. Verse 13, and he left them. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. And getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now, the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. So that's the hidden loaf that they had. When he says, how many do you have? Seven. No, y'all really got eight. Then when they leave, after getting those seven big basketfuls, one basket for each piece of bread. You know, look at God multiplying. You, you give me a little bit and watch me multiply to more than enough and overflow. And y'all picking up seven basketfuls. But you brothers forgot to grab a little bit out of that overflow. And you get on the boat and you feel bad. Verse 15, then he charged them saying, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart, here it is, still hardened? Because you can't understand the things of God with a hard heart. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. And also when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large basket full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? All right, I'm making my way home here. They forgot to bring bread. Jesus gives an illustration. He he says, uh, beware of the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they're thinking he's talking about physical bread. No, he's talking about spiritual yeast uh, uh, that that can work through a group of people the way actual yeast can work through dough to make it rise. And so, so, so they're thinking he's talking about physical bread, not having bread. And Jesus is like, wait a minute, don't y'all remember what I did with a few pieces of bread to multiply it? Don't, don't, don't y'all remember how soon you forget? I'm not talking about physical bread. I'm talking about spiritual yeast. Y'all missed it because y'all remained so much in the natural that you brothers are not spiritual because your hearts are still so hardened. So in the scriptures, leaven is seen as a pervasive and negative influence. And so Jesus just finished talking to the Pharisees. And these guys are negative and they have affected the Hebrew people in a negative way for years. And Jesus has come and he teaches differently than these guys. He shows up these guys. And so he's trying to tell his guys, his disciples, watch out for them. Because leaven secretly seeps into hearts and minds to contaminate them. And the leaven of the Pharisees, according to Jesus, in Matthew 16, 12, was their doctrine. The way they teach about the Sabbath. The way they put laws on people that they themselves cannot and will not carry. The way that they promote uh, the, the, uh, the, the commentary on the Torah rather than the Torah itself the Mishnah. Watch out for these guys. Their doctrine will seep and will will capture you and enslave you. They'll have you talking about signs rather than talking about the Savior. Watch out for them and also watch out for the fact that they are hypocrites. That's also their yeast. Luke chapter 12 verse 1, the leaven of the Pharisees is also their hypocrisy because they say things that they do not do. Watch out for people like that. We don't need more religious people. We need people who are real up in here even real about their shortcomings, but not these guys. So beware of their leaven. It will seep through, and you'll become a hypocrite just like them. You'll become, like Jesus said, a son of hell just like them if you're not careful. And the leaven of Herod possibly speaks of political compromise. Watch out, preachers, for the leaven of Herod, the politician. So many preachers are compromised today because of the leaven of politics. They've been bought by a party. They are sold out to a party. They are sold out even to the government of the United States more than to the kingdom of God. You've been leavenized. I made the word up, but I can do it. You've been compromised. And so Jesus said, I'm not talking about physical bread, man. I'm talking about this, a spiritual message for y'all. And if I was talking about physical bread, don't y'all remember what I did? earth, wind, and fire. They said, do you remember? The 21st night of September. I don't know the rest of it. Love was something, something, something in the minds of pretenders while chasing the something, something away. Body, eye. You know, so earth, wind. They want to know, do you remember? Then Michael Jackson comes along and he want to know Do you remember the time when we fell in love? Do you remember the time when we first met? Everybody wants to know, do you remember? And Jesus is asking the church, don't y'all remember what I did for you? How is it that you get to a new test and you forget all that God has done, all who God is, and all that God said? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Why in the world would God give us communion Because he knows we're forgetful. For as often as you do this, do this what? Because I know you will forget me. So you got to hold some things in your hands and consume them physically because it helps you to remember the gospel. Romans chapter 8, i got to read this to you. This this is beautiful here. Romans 8 verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, how do I know God is for me? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, if God gave you Jesus, what makes you think he won't give you enough food to eat? What makes you think he won't give you clothes to wear? What makes you think he won't help you pay your rent? What makes you think he won't take care of you? He gave you Jesus. But we get to these storms, these tests, these trials, and we forget what God has done and ultimately what he has done in giving us Jesus Christ. I like the song that says, lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Because, man, if I start having spiritual amnesia, let me think about what God did in giving Jesus for me. And if God gave Jesus for me, Jesus will take care of me, which is why when Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 6, and people are wondering about, man, what we going to wear, what we going to eat, where we going to live. Jesus says, take no thought of those things. Come on now, take no thought. Stop uh, magnifying that stuff. Take no thought of that. But a lot of us, we get so anxious about what we're going to eat, where we're going to live, what we're going to wear, where we're going to work, what we're going to do, what we're going to drive. Is God going to heal? Is God going to show? We get so anxious by that when Jesus says, no, but seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and all this other stuff will be added unto you. So give it no thought. But we give that stuff so much thought that we forget who God is, what God did, and what God said. I hate when I go through a test and I'm acting like a novice and a rookie and I got a track record with God. I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I said next time I was going to trust you. And this time I started crumbling again. And he said, okay, that's cool. I got another one coming when you least expect it. <laughs> Won't he do you like that? <laughs> Why? He's trying to build something in us called perseverance. Perseverance. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials and temptation. Knowing that the testing of your faith, there's a purpose. Knowing that the testing of your faith worketh patience. But that patience have its perfect work so that you may be complete and mature, lacking nothing. He's trying to get us mature. And the only way we get mature is by going through stuff so that we know who he is, and that helps us to develop and become who we are in him. My God. Mm, 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 mm. So, will you go through the same tests the same way? Or will you go through the same tests a different way? That's how I'm closing with a question. Will you go through the same tests the same way? fussing, cussing, fighting, arguing, falling out, doubting God, wondering where God is, panicking, getting stressed, and anxiety? (laughs) Well, you're going to go through the same test a different way because you're not the same person. Because there's something about God you know, and your faith is being tested. And he loves when we have strong faith. And so, God, I'm going to trust you. You're a good father. You didn't bring me this far to leave me. You took care of this, I know, or that, I know you will take care of this. There's nothing too hard for God. My God is able. So here are the three questions to ask when you face your next test. And that is, will you remember who God is? Will you remember what God did? Because you know he's done great things for you. He's no respecter of persons. And will you remember what God Said, never let what you're going through cause you to forget who God is, what God did and what God said. Oh, that sounded so good. I got to say it again. Never let what you're going through cause you to forget who God is, what God did and what God said. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 through 6 says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Did you see what he just said? I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Verse 6, so we may boldly say, okay, so God spoke. And he affirmed and confirmed who he is in our lives based on his nature, that he is the rock. He's my rock, my rock, my sword. He's the rock who will not roll. He ain't going to roll out on you like some of your friends. He's going to stay there with you. So we may boldly say, not not sheepishly say, not, not, you know, (laughs) no, no, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear What can man do to me? What can this test do to me? What can this trial do to me? The worst it can do to me is kill me. And when I die, to live is Christ. So what can be done to me? Why? Because I'm on the Lord's side. So when I come to a test, he wants to know, where's your faith? How soon we forget. So if you're in that place right now where you're like, Lord, I needed this word. I needed this word because I have forgotten your faithfulness. I'd like to pray for you. Now, would you all stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? Oh, man, this was on my heart. Because we will be tested. Don't forget the 5,000 that he fed in your life when you come to the 4,000. Don't forget the car he provided for you years ago when you need one now. Don't forget the job he provided for you Then when you need one now, don't forget the peace of mind you need now when he gave peace of mind to you before. Every day you thought you would not survive, he got you through it. So don't think, I don't know how I'm going to make it now. I don't know. You didn't know how you were going to make it back then. You here. Let's boldly say, let's boldly believe, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. That your goodness to us is not contingent on our goodness to you. You remain faithful even when we are not faithful. I thank you, Jesus, that you did not limit yourself in feeding the multitudes because your disciples uh, weren't in the right spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you carried on anyway. And, Lord, I I do believe these guys eventually got the message just like we get it. And so, Lord, one way we can even grow and, and get through a hard heart is by proximity with hurting people and by serving. We, we serve that complacency and that lack of compassion out when we're around your people. So God, keep doing the work. May we continue to grow in the things that you have for us. May we rely more on the Holy Spirit than on our own selves. Help us to have a memory to look back and see what you've done in our lives, that you've always been there, you've always provided, you've always taken care of us. So Lord, when we get to the next one, May we not doubt, may we not uh, quake, may we not shiver, but may we realize, Lord, that we've been bought with the price. Our lives belong to you. It's up to you to take care of us, not up to us to take care of ourselves. We want to work with you, not against you. So I pray for that person today, Lord, who is struggling because they're wondering, Lord, how they're going to make ends meet. You said take no thought of what you're going to eat. Take no thought about where you're going to live, what you're going to wear, but to trust you. Lord, strengthen their faith. I thank you, Lord, that we can have our faith strengthened because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Help us, Lord, to not only hear the word on Sundays, but help us to get into the word throughout the week so that we can have our faith grow. That we, When we read Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith, how you showed up for ordinary people and how you've shown up for us, we have our own hall of faith. We can look back and see what you've done. Oh Lord help us not to forget who you are what you've done and what you said and we close this service by saying now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine and if you have seen him do that before let's close this early by saying amen if you've seen him do exceeding abundantly in your life before say amen if he's made a way out of nowhere in your life before say amen My God, he's a good God. Amen. All right. Food pantry. Grab your kids. Vacation Bible school. Man, I got you out at 1159. God is good. Have a good day, y'all.